covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us for another week's worth of baseball talk, even when there's not a whole lot going on from a baseball perspective. Although this week, maybe, maybe just a little bit of movement in the collective bargaining agreement negotiations. More on that in a moment. As always, our housekeeping items here at the top. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review and also subscribe, that would be very, very much appreciated. Major League Baseball players and owners, they met on uh, two consecutive days this past week, trading proposals, nothing being accepted but I think when you, when you look at these negotiations and when you look at the history of the players and owners and their relationship and you recognize what that relationship is like right now, I do think you look for the positives and for me kind of focus on those positives because there are some small things that have happened and that is, um, that's, that's, that's good news. Um, it feels like many times when these two sides get together, they actually move backwards. They don't move forwards. And this past week, I don't think they moved backwards. I don't know how, how many steps forward they took, but it, there was some forward movement there. It wasn't backwards movement. And even that is um, a little bit of progress. Major League Baseball proposed a, uh, a funded bonus pool. For the best pre-arbitration players, that would reward the best players, the players who have performed at the highest level in their pre-arbitration years. So, for example, Corbin Burns, who just won the Cy Young Award, uh, his salary would go from 608000 to $2.34 million. That's according to a report from uh, MLB.com. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was the runner-up for the AL MVP? His salary would jump from six hundred thirty-five thousand to uh, just over one point eight million dollars. So, with that, there'd be some players who play at a really high level that are not yet arbitration eligible that would get kind of arbitration type money. So that that's something that the players obviously would be very much in favor of. Now, is there enough money? This is where it, it feels like when you read about the negotiations. The proposals or the, the ideas there are are ideas that both sides can go with, but then you got to back it up with money. Like, how much more money are you going to get? Like, there's another thing where, if for the expanded playoff, the uh, the the Major League Baseball players would get sixty percent of gate receipts from the new first round of the postseason. So that would add about twenty million dollars to uh, players' postseason shares. Is that enough? That's going to be, that's going to be the kind of the argument there. The idea of giving players more money as a result of the extra round of playoffs—that is something that the players want and the owners will go with. It's just how much more money. Major League Baseball has a proposal to include higher minimum salaries. Under the proposal, uh, players would receive a minimum of $258,500 more over their first three years of service. That would represent a 15% raise from the current figures. Is that enough? And when you really dig into those numbers a little bit and compare where the minimum salary was at the last collective bargaining agreement to where it is now, those numbers would not actually keep up with inflation. So there's a lot going on here. And again, I don't think they're moving backwards. And I think we're seeing some areas where they can agree that some changes need to be made. It's just how how far is either side willing to go? And that's going to be Those are the questions that need to be answered, and the answers to those questions will then result in whether or not we get things off on time. Pitchers and catchers reporting, full squads reporting, spring training games starting on time, opening day, so on and so forth. Uh, The Baseball Hall of Fame did announce this past week, David Ortiz, 
He is inducted into the Hall of Fame. As much of a story as that is, also a part of the story is who does not get into the Hall of Fame as uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, two players who are very much connected to the steroid era, do not get in. And uh, that look, this is the story every year when we talk about the Hall of Fame and who's going to get in and who's, uh, who's not going to get in. Uh, Kurt Schilling did not get in. Sammy Sosa uh, did not get in. It's all it's it's people who are connected and shilling for other reasons. Uh, just some of the things he has done and he has said. Uh, but there there's a lot going on when it comes to the Hall of Fame voting, and it's not just about performance on the field. It's connected to other things you may or may not have done, and that's just that that's the world we live in. There are other rounds of voting beyond this. Once you get from the baseball writers, there's committee votes and things like that in the future. So this doesn't mean that these guys won't be in the Hall of Fame. It just means they're not getting in here in the kind of the standard uh baseball writer uh process of uh of voting guys in. So but uh, Ortiz gets in. I would have voted for Ortiz. I'll be if I had to vote, and they don't give votes to non-writers. You have to be a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. You have to be tenured for a certain amount of time, and then you get uh, to vote for the Hall of Fame uh, as a broadcast media person and not a print media person. Uh, that is not something that I'm going to get to do. Bluntly, I would vote for Barry Bonds. I would vote. Um, I, I, I would. Uh, I would vote for Roger Clemens. Uh, there's other guy. I would have voted for Mark McGuire. I would have a lot of these guys who are connected to the steroid era. I would have voted for him. I've always thought that we don't really know who did what, who didn't do what, just because you didn't get caught. There, there are guys in the Hall of Fame who were using things that they weren't supposed to be using. They just did it in a way that they never got caught. So you get caught and you don't get in. I've always thought, and I'm fine with some sort of note on the plaque that said anybody who's uh you know if if a barry bonds does eventually get in if they feel like they should put some sort of note on his plaque that said he was connected to the steroid era of baseball i'm fine with that i'm absolutely fine with that i'd also vote for pete rose to get in uh there's a lot of guys that i would vote to get in that are not going to be getting in uh anytime soon or in pete rose's case probably will not be getting in ever but that's uh that was the vote this past week and that's the way that ended up going down. All right, as mentioned, uh, this week we have a conversation with Scott Warris. He is the host of WTMJ Night 6 to 9 on WTMJ, a frequent do we call him a contributor, a frequent guest here to uh, the podcast? He's also the play-by-play voice of uh, Milwaukee Panthers men's basketball. This is normally the time that I would tell you what his Twitter account was, so you could go uh, check him out on Twitter. He doesn't have Twitter, so uh, we'll just welcome him on to the prod- uh, to the podcast. Scott Warris joins us. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm good. What are we going to talk about? Nothing is happening. Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing is happening. Uh, there, talk, there was actual conversations this past week between players and owners, and uh, it didn't sound like they wanted to uh, get into a fist fight at the end of it, so maybe that's some sort of progress. Well, and, they, and they talked in consecutive days, did they not? They did. did. they not talk with back-to-back days, which is, look, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's – that's progress, baby. I mean, this is something now. This is this is momentum. You know what? Even if it's not momentum, I'm calling it momentum because it's as close to momentum as we've seen so far during these negotiations. Yeah, it's it's odd because like I, I watched the you know the, all we can do is rely on the reports that are coming out from the the Ken Rosenthal's and the John Haymans and the John Morosis and the Joel Shermans and and all the various baseball insiders that kind of have an idea of what's going on. And it feels like the two sides can kind of agree on like basic principles, but then when you apply the money that is connected to those principles, that's where it all goes absolutely haywire. Like the owners can be okay allowing pre arbitration players to get a little bit more money. But then when you talk about how much money it is, that's where the issue is. The, the owners are okay allowing uh, the minimum salary to go up a little bit. But then when you get into the exact specifications of how much it's going to go up, that's, that's where the problem arises. So as is the case with most things in the world, it all comes mm-hmm. down to money. And people's eyes glaze over and fans in general say a pox on, on both their houses. And it, it's 
And I realize this is, I mean, this is, it's in your blood. You love baseball. As you've said many times, you love baseball. And so you follow this closely. But I think from the overall fan standpoint, it is such a, it, it is right now, as we, we tape this year uh, in the last Sunday of January, it, it is so out of sight, out of mind that, I mean, until we get to, I would even say what, like March 1st. I mean, once we get past the Super Bowl, once we get into, you know, later February, March 1st, then I think people will start going, well, are they going to be reporting for spring training? What's going on? When are pitchers and catchers going to report? Shouldn't they be playing spring training games yet? And even then you'll have college basketball with March Madness kind of taking the forefront of the sports, uh, you know, attention span and things like that. So, I, you know, good on them and, and, and for meeting in consecutive days. But as much as you love baseball and I love baseball, obviously too, it's 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 so out of sight, out of mind right now. I think for for most people, and I think in that respect, baseball is kind of protected by the fact that the playoffs are going on in football, or you know, March Madness will be coming up here in about a month or so. Because if all eyes were on baseball right now, it would not be good for anybody. That's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I mean, for me, I am watching it on everyday basis, and when we hear the reports that. They're going to talk. I'm waiting for the Jeff Passan tweet that's going to come out late in the afternoon, kind of outlining what happened during the course of the day. But for you're, you're probably right. And you know what? Maybe this doesn't even apply to people listening to this podcast because if you're listening to a baseball podcast uh, in on you know the late January, early February, you're pretty locked in. But you're probably right that the average, you know, just kind of general sports fan out there kind of knows that the lockout is going on, but doesn't completely understand what that means here at the moment. Right, right. And, and look, I even like baseball, but can I be honest? Yes, I you mean, can be honest, Scott. I, <laughs> no, I, we I'm encourage honesty look. here. <laughs> well, that's one of the tenets of the podcast. I know that's in your mission statement. <laughs> um, um, I, I'm not even worried. Like, I'm not. Huh. I've heard March 1st, like I said, March 1st has been kind of like a magical date that I've heard, you know, people reference. So until we get there, I'm not even worried about it, which is, I don't know if that's smart of me or not. But, you know, while the sausage is being made behind the scenes, if there's any sticking points or whatnot, it'll come out and I can maybe get upset about it. But it's so very much... (sighs) You know what? It, until we get to March first, I guess I'd, I'm giving that as a date for myself to get worried. I'm not worried. Well, I scale, well, where are you? I mean, right now, scale of one to ten. I don't know. Where are you on the worry scale? Okay, so before I answer that question, let's figure out what there actually is to be worried about. Because are would would just like real quick, we'll kind of go rapid fire here. Give me yes or no. Would missing pitchers and catchers reporting on their supposed date would, would is that something you care about? Uh, no, no, it does not. What about full squad? <laughs> no, you know what I would worry. You know, you know, I was. You know what? You know what? A Scott Warris would start worrying that is the first day where there's supposed to be a spring training game and it doesn't get played. Okay, all right. Like the first game of whatever date that is, and whichever two teams are supposed to play or a slate of games that's supposed to happen in Florida or Arizona, it doesn't happen. And I would. That's when I go okay. Because now we're missing a game. I know it's exhibition preseason, but now we're missing a game that was supposed to play. If that happens, that's when I start going, all right, guys, quit messing around here. Let's figure this out. Let's let's reach some sort of conclusion. So until we lose a game, and I'll say Cactus League, Grapefruit League game, that's when Scott Warris goes, all right, now I'm getting a little annoyed. Now I'm perturbed, Matt. Okay, so I – what I don't care about the spring training games. Like from my, mm-hmm. I, I would be worried about losing regular season games once it becomes very clear that the regular season is not going to start on time. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's the moment I get worried. So actually, my barrier to entry for being worried is a little bit lower Ooh. than yours. Uh, oh. That being said, I would bet my worry level is higher because I think I think it's like a fifty fifty shot that they're playing mm-hmm. on opening day this year. Hmm. Wow. Um, that's kind of interesting. So you, so even if they miss an exhibition game, a, a, you know, Cactus League, whatever, you would not, you would not uh, flinch. You would, you would not be worried that 
this is a sign of, of, of a harbinger of worse things to come. I guess my point here is this collective bargaining agreement is not being negotiated so they can play spring training games. This collective mm-hmm. bargaining agreement is being negotiated so they can play regular season games and so they can sure. play playoff games. So from a CBA standpoint, if they if they end up missing spring training games because of it, like I just I don't care. It's that, that that's that's kind of the cost of doing this is what sure. I would say. Now what I do sure. let me let me add one more thing because I think the number one question I have received over the last two or three weeks from fans is mm-hmm. is spring training gonna get started on time? Because there's so many fans who do annual trips to Arizona and they have their airfare and they have their hotels and they have all of that. So I do care about the people who are being impacted on a personal basis. So that's not something that I'm just forgetting about, but from a big picture perspective, specifically to the CBA, I don't care about anything until opening day is missed. You know, I think we as fans, and maybe I'm in the minority, but when I start getting concerned once we miss spring training games, um, but it is, it is, I think, worth reminding ourselves that, look, in, in 2020, the COVID-shortened 60-game season, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they have, what, like a two-week ramp-up to the season? I mean, it was the full shutdown for X number of months, and then wasn't there like two weeks? And all right, guys, everybody report and isolate and here we go and in two weeks we had baseball now you can say maybe the baseball we got wasn't that good because you know players only had two weeks if that's what it was to get ready so i think fans might remind themselves too and i might remind myself too to keep myself from freaking out is that well look if push absolutely comes to shove we have seen these athletes we've seen this sport get it going in a short amount of time just a couple of seasons ago so it is it is doable even if it's not ideal yeah. wasn't it two weeks to ramp up i, I don't remember that sounds right i you know yeah. it, it wasn't that long ago but it feels forever ago it's you know this this whole th- time during the pandemic everything feels like it's forever ago and everything feels like it was yesterday all at the same time it's such a such a weird thing to have lived through over the last couple of years mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was very short uh, training camp was was very shorter summer camp whatever they called it and, and then they did they started playing games I guess the only difference being they went through a lot of spring training and most guys kind of stayed in a little bit of baseball shape at least working out on their own uh, during the period that things were shut down yeah that is true and and here you're in a situation where guys have been coming in off their off season and are uh, waiting to, to start as opposed to having been going full bore and then shut down and, and ramp up again and again. And, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe we do this again, again in six weeks. And if, if nothing's happening, it'll be more, you and I will have a different, we'll be singing a different song at this point, but yeah, until then, until, until a game is missed, I'm okay. Yeah, so the timeline on this is going to be interesting, though, because you said six weeks. They had those back-to-back meetings. What What's next? Because they they got locked out in early December, and then mm-hmm. essentially nothing happened until two weeks ago, and then there were back-to-back meetings this past week, so they've had three sessions basically over a two-week period. I haven't seen anything. I don't think there's anything scheduled moving forward. And I do think it's a, in many ways, it's a game of chicken. And each side mm-hmm. is trying to see which side is going to flinch mm-hmm. first. And neither side wants to flinch. So is no news good news or bad news? I think it's bad news. Negotiation? I think it's bad news because, look, if they do the same thing that they did after December, where they're just going to sit on it for two, yeah. three weeks, if we're if we're exactly where we're at right now, three weeks from now, well, then that's past the pitchers and catchers report date, right? Like pitchers and catchers report in late February. We're we're two and a half weeks away from late February. Mm. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned the inquiries you've gotten from fans and listeners and things like that about spring training, primarily because, you know, in this part of the country, plenty of people flock to Arizona 
for a week or 10 days to go somewhere warm, obviously, and also to watch baseball games. So my parents have done that for, I don't think they, uh, I don't know if they did it last year. They certainly, I think they did it maybe in 2020, but they've done it for maybe the better part of the last decade, right? And it's something that I've never done. I've never been to Arizona for spring training. I've never been to Florida, uh, coincidentally, uh, you know, or something that would coincide with, uh, with spring training. So I've never seen it. And um, it's amazing, like, the people that you talk to who do it, like, it's a rite of passage. It's a, it, 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 there, there's something about going down there and just sitting, like, out in the outfield on the grassy hill, not Noel. I guess it could be a knoll too, and and watching these spring training games. Have you ever done it? Like in all your comings and goings, have you have you done a spring training trip of some sort? I haven't. I, I, in my professional life, I've always wow. been broadcasting basketball, just like you. Yeah. Um, WTMJ has never chosen to send me down there for uh, for spring training. So no, I've hint, uh, hint, hint, hint. I, I have not done spring training myself uh, personally, but. I mean, my dad does it. My dad, my dad, you know, he lives in Florida now. Uh, he hmm. does, And I don't know if he did it when he didn't live in Florida, but I know um, my dad goes to some spring training games uh, most years now. That's amazing, too, because I think what I mean, it was I think once upon a time, it was like the only time people could in those in those states could see their team. Right. I mean, that's why the Dodgers have the. Have the massive following they have, or the Yankees down there, or the Cubs in Arizona, because you know you didn't have the Arizona Diamondbacks playing there, but for the last two decades or so, or or the Marlins, or 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 the Rays, and so it was like the only time that these fans could see their teams before they traveled back north to the cold part of the country to watch them. And it's amazing how like these fan bases have continued. I mean. Whether it's, I mean, uh, aren't the uh, Cubs and Mesa still? I think they're still there, right? Yep, they're I mean, I, um, um, just the, the fan bases that are still so overwhelming in, if we're talking Cubs, like in Arizona, because of the tradition and the history or the Yankees or the Dodgers in Florida. It's pretty incredible. Just, I, I've, I haven't really tapped into much of the history of spring training, just a little bit here and there. And um, it's actually kind of interesting. It, 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 the the backstories of some of these teams down there, um, it's kind of actually interesting stuff. Yeah, so my parents actually live in Vero Beach, Florida, and for mm-hmm. many, many years, Vero Beach was the spring training home of the Dodgers. It's not anymore, mm-hmm. uh, but they had Dodger Town, and their spring training right. complex was Dodger Town, and now it's been turned into a facility where there's youth tournaments and, and things like that. And it's actually kind of sad. Last time I visited my parents a few years ago, it was actually, it was pre-pandemic. We went, I, I because I remember my, my grandparents retired to Vero Beach as well. So when, when I was a little kid, uh, we would go see my grandparents in Vero Beach. So all these years later, we were, I was visiting my parents in Vero Beach and I can remember going to Dodger Town and there was a nice restaurant and there was all kinds <laughs> of stuff there. And I wanted to see what it looked like now especially with the Dodgers not being there and it was it was I mean there was like dorms for the youth that goes there but there was no restaurant there was no like you know merchandise there was it was just kind of gutted out and the the you know the ballpark that was actually used uh was just old and not being kept up anymore and it was it was really kind of sad when I when I went there you know I thought to myself I I assume they were in Vero Beach, like when Jackie Robinson played. I guess I don't know for sure, but like I was just, it was just this old ballpark, and I was like, yeah. oh, it was just sad to see what it had turned into. Where did they, the Dodgers didn't move to Arizona, did they? Are they did they just change to a different city in Florida? Oh man, now you're, yeah. I'm gonna have to look this up. I feel like they're still in Florida. They got, which is, you know, nowadays. Having, you know, if you think about it, being located in Los Angeles and being in Florida for your spring training is kind of absurd. Yes. The proximity. If we're going to fly across. No, they're the in, they are in Arizona now. They're in, uh, they are. they're in Camelback Ranch, Glendale now. Oh, okay. Well, they, I feel like there are more teams in the uh, Cactus League than there are in the Grapefruit League now. Yeah, there are. There's been a slow migration. Everybody wants to be in Arizona because the big thing is the rain. 
Uh, So many, you know, you get that three o'clock shower every single day in Florida. Mm -hmm. You don't get that in Arizona. No, there's 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 definitely more teams that train now in Arizona and most organizations prefer to train in Arizona. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, you know, when I mentioned the Marlins and um, and the Rays, I I guess shame on me. You knew this all along. I did not. The uh, that Marlins Montreal or the Marlins the uh, the Rays Montreal that arrangement, which was shot down. I first of all I had no idea that that was in the works or was discussed or was up for a vote by what the owners or so. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating. What did what, what did you think of the uh, the Rays ownership? That that's about as bold a denouncing of a fellow owner's vote. As I can remember in recent history, like they were caught off guard by the fact that MLB owners shot down their, you know, one team, two city right. plan or something like that. That was fascinating. Just kind of the comments as if they were caught flat footed. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. I thought we were good to do this. No, yeah. we're not. Okay, then. So they had been working on that for like two and a half years. All indications had been given that Major League Baseball liked the plan. I don't know. You probably don't remember this. Uh, the owner of the Rays was going to put up like an outfield wall sign that was going to be very, very, very visible during the playoffs with like something about the Montreal plan. I don't know if it was a website. I don't know what it was, but people in Tampa freaked about that. They thought how wrong it was to take the focus away from the playoffs and instead on this plan of where they could be losing their team for half the season. And at the last second, they decide not to put the sign up. But I would love to know the inside story on this because I think they had been given every indication for Major League Baseball that Major League Baseball would go forward with this. I... I have to openly wonder if we weren't in the middle of a collective bargaining agreement, (laughs) would this have a better chance of being approved? Because just think about it. If you are a player for Tampa, you have to arrange housing for two different places. If you have your family with you, you got to get them up to Canada for half the year. Like just the impact, let's not even, not to be disrespectful of the fans in those two markets, um, but you think about just the, the impact on the players and the staff and everybody. And then the other thing I have to think of, at some point Major League Baseball is going to expand. And Montreal mm-hmm. is a key market where they could expand to if you allow Tampa to go take that market for half the mm-hmm. year, you're losing the opportunity to have Montreal as a full-season market. Yeah, I just, uh, like I say, I was, if I did remember the idea being bandied about, I had forgotten about it. So when I read that headline this past week, and then the ownership of the Rays kind of coming out and as if their heads were spinning, <laughs> I, mean, I think he pretty much said, we assumed this was a done deal, or we were led to believe by Major League Baseball or whoever our contacts are there that, you know, it was just a formality that this vote would go our way and then the vote doesn't go their way. And, yeah, you made a good point about the um, the current state of the uh, the CBA and the lockout because I'm, I'm sure there's part of Major League Baseball that said, you know what, this is just not right. This is not something we're going to be dealing with right now. We, we, we This is just, uh, you know, this is something that – it does not need our attention and our time with everything else that is going on. I, you, you, you suggest an expansion in Montreal. I mean, do we really think there's enough interest to sustain that again? I mean, I, I mean, is is there a desire? Or is there a craving from that fan base or from that market, from that city to to make it work a second time? I'm, I don't live in Montreal, so I can't really answer that question, but everything I've read says if they had a new ballpark that it would be a great market for baseball. I think there's a lot of markets that Major League Baseball could go into. If if Tampa and Oakland wanted to leave their markets right now, I think you could look at Montreal. I think you could look at Las Vegas. I think you could look at Nashville. I think you could look at Portland. I think you could look at San Antonio. All as markets that could legitimately support a Major League Baseball team, at least more than what those are being supported right now and exponentially more to make it at least viable. That's amazing that how, like you mentioned Vegas, 
boy, what a difference, I don't know, five years makes, less than that, whenever they got the, uh, the NHL team there. Yeah, the Golden I mean, Knights. Yeah. It's like, there was, that was the, no, we don't go to Vegas. Don't even say the word Las Vegas. Don't even utter that thought. And, and that was universal across all professional sports. And it, it's amazing how the change in the sports betting landscape has completely like altered, not, not just altered the way that professional sports and these professional orga- sports organizations view Las Vegas, but it is amazing how with sports betting, it has changed and it has changed in a flash. And every year there's just more and more. And whether it's the, uh, the night, the golden Knights, the, the, the Raiders, uh, they're getting all-star games now of, of, I think the, I think the pro ball is going to be there. The uh, NBA all-star game might be there. I think the NHL all-star game was there or was there. And man, see the power of a Supreme court vote, Matt, it's changed everything. Yeah. They legalize sports betting, at least allow it for state by state. Next thing you know, people can't get enough of Vegas. Uh, it's, I'm a we've I've I think I've talked about this with you like this goes away from baseball for a second but um, when I was broadcasting Air Force basketball back in the day that they're in the Mountain West so I, I would go to Vegas a lot f- because they would play UNLV and then they would also play the conference tournament there at Thomas and Mac mm-hmm. and when you're in Las Vegas in March. It's amazing because the Pac-12 is there, the Mountain West is there, the the West Coast Conference is there. I think the Big West tournament. There's there's a, a half dozen leagues that hold their college basketball conference tournaments there, and it's all going on at the same time. It's just like the the college basketball world has just dropped into Las mm-hmm. Vegas, and I have a I, the Horizon League, which we both do games in. They they've had a hard time finding a spot that will support their league tournament. I I say make it a destination sort of thing and put it in Las Vegas and just get get involved with everything else that's going on there and see what happens. Try it out. Like it's just Las Vegas has become an amazing sports city. Right. No, it has. And yeah, I mean maybe I, I could see. <sighs> I can see the Rays making that move more than the Montreal thing, and and like I say, I haven't really. Well, the A's are already it. like all in on Vegas. That's if they, right. They don't get a new that's stadium right. done in Oakland. They have, that's right. and there are different land developers that are basically trying to entice the A's, where they're basically yeah. going to give them because if you build a major league ballpark on a parcel of land all of a sudden that land becomes so much more valuable because of all the other stuff you can put on it. So literally the the A's are being offered free land from developers because then what those developers can do with the land that's you know basically adjacent to it. That's right. I forgot about the, uh, the Oakland situation. That would make a lot more sense for them. And um, yeah, I mean, throw, throw a roof on the darn thing and it's rock and roll. It does get, as somebody, again, I'll go back to my AAA days because Las Vegas was in the Pacific Coast League when I was working uh-huh. in Colorado Springs, and they have a really nice ballpark now. So now the AAA team in Las Vegas, I think they're out in Summerlin, uh, which is a, um, which a, it's a, it's a suburb. Um, and it's, it's from what I've never been to that ballpark from what I've heard, it's just absolutely beautiful and they get great attendance. But when I was there and it was the Las mm-hmm. Vegas 51s, uh, it was a horrible ballpark, and it was so so hot. What? The, why were they called the Fifty One? Area Fifty One. Oh, God, that's good. Their what's logo the was an alien. What's the? What's I won't say best. What's the most creative uh, minor league nickname that you came across in your travels? Ooh. You remember? Is there one that jumps out, or a couple that jump out? So like, I just creative, like like that to me is like creative. Because it makes you go, why 50? Oh, very smart. So I liked the Albuquerque isotopes because that played off the Simpsons. Um, <laughs> and if you go to Albuquerque and go to their ballpark, there are life-size Simpsons characters throughout the ballpark. So you can go get your picture taken with Homer Simpson or <laughs> Bart Simpson. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Good. Um, let's see. Um, the... Uh... You know, I'm a little disappointed the Boyd Snappers are no longer the Boyd Snappers. Maybe that's just because I have an affinity for that franchise because back in the day there was a time when 
Fielder, and Weeks, and I think Corey Hart. I think they were all on the Beloit Snappers at the same time. And while I didn't go, I know that you know then they would just cram everybody they could into that stadium down there. And good old Pullman another, Field, yeah, yeah. Did you go to games there? Well, here's one for you. I have only been to you like this. I've only been to one minor league baseball game in my life. And that was uh, seven years ago during the Summer of Scott Tour. It was the summer of 15. Uh, the Summer of Scott Tour, I was in Sacramento. And I went to a... River, River Sacra- Cats. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think they were playing... Are they the um, affiliate of the Giants? Or they were? Or they are? Uh, let's see. They were. They've they've jumped affiliations a few times over okay. the years. So seven years ago, I believe they probably actually would have been with Oakland seven years ago. But maybe, or maybe they oh. had just moved to San Francisco. It was around that time that they switched from being an Oakland affiliate to a Giants mm-hmm. affiliate. Um, I remember because the starting pitcher that day, I think it was for Sacramento. Yeah, because they were playing the Houston Astros affiliate. So um, Round Rock, probably. Could be, yeah. And um, there, there was. I think it was the number one pick. Was it the number one pick? And he, and he, he has never made it. Like he, he flamed out. But I remember the name. Was it Appel? Is it Greg Appel? Appel? Oh, Mark, gosh. Mark Appel, right? Mark. Mark Appel. Yeah. He started the game, and I'm like, oh, I know this guy. Even I, even I've heard this name, and he was okay. But like, he never made. It. I don't think he made it to the. To the majors i don't think i think he flamed out didn't he i don't think he ever made it but he pitched in the game i also remember see i've only been to one minor league game but i remember these things the the guy in front of me was a scout for the giants or worked at the organization in some capacity and all i remember is he was wearing his uh, world series ring because the giants had won the world series the year before and uh i was talking to him and he let me put it on and i got a chance to put on the Giants, San Francisco Giants, a World Series ring that uh, he got uh, the prior year. So I've only been to one, but I, I've i maximized my experience at the one. Mark Appel is still active, by the way. He is, oh. uh, he is part of the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Wow. He uh, Whoa, he did not. I, I missed this. He pitched in 2017. In 2018, he retired at the age of 26, and in 2021, he attempted a comeback, and he got to uh, AAA last year, it looks like. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. See, those are my memories. Now, I mentioned Beloit. Now, we're really going off on a tangent, but hey. Um, So, the only time I've been to that Beloit Stadium, now the old stadium, I think they're moving into a new one with the new nickname, right? And it escapes me their new nickname. The new nickname is tied to the corporate sponsor of the new stadium. But I actually umpired a game there. I umpired in that stadium. And I remember as the game started, I'm standing there in the box ready to start the game, and I thought, man, Prince Fielder stood in here when he was in single A. Uh, like uh, Ricky Weeks stood here when he was in single A. That's my my one run-in with the, uh, the Bloyd Snappers organization. So they are going to be the Skycarp. Yes, that's right. The sky carp is a slang term for a goose that does not migrate in the winter, instead preferring to stay in its home city. The logo's not bad. Yeah. You see the logo there? Yeah. It's, um. how would you describe it? Um, it's like a long neck goose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I've told this story on this podcast before. Maybe I've even told you, but it's, it's, it's a fun story. So I'm sure mm-hmm. somebody listening hasn't heard it before. Uh, I haven't. One of the things about the ballpark in Beloit is, or, or at formerly, I'm sure it won't be this way with the new ballpark, but at Pullman Field, the clubhouses, uh, you basically had to walk like through the concourse to get onto the field. So like you, you were amongst the people, and right. 
uh, there's all that. That was one of the places that there was always a ton of autograph seekers. That's a thing in minor league baseball. Like I can't tell you how many times we would roll into a hotel at four in the morning after bussing all night long. Because like on the team that I was with, we had like Eric Hosmer, Mike Mustakis, and all these guys, Salvador Perez, like all these top prospects, and the autograph seekers and collectors. They would know what hotel we would be at, and we would get off the bus at two, three, four in the morning, and the autograph seekers would be there waiting to get stuff signed so um beloit was uh, had as many autograph seekers as any team in the midwest league and we were there on like a four or five day trip and i there was one guy who thought i looked like danny duffy and i i walked you know i'd be walking onto the bus and there he would be he's like hey danny hey danny can i can can you sign this for me i said no i'm not danny duffy next day same guy. Danny, Danny, can you sign this for me? I'm not Danny. Next day, finally we get the same thing. Fourth day, we're leaving. We've, we, have, uh, we have completed the series. We are getting on the bus. We're going to travel to God knows where. And the guy for the fourth straight day thinks I'm Danny Duffy. And I just say, forget it. And I start signing things in this yes. guy's things as Danny Duffy. Good, Good. I was going to say, and I hope you went, you know what? Yes, sir, I will. Good to meet you. Put her there. So somebody out there on it. eBay bought a Danny Duffy baseball card that's actually signed by Matt Pauley. <laughs> wow, that's good. That reminds me. So this was at uh, Old County Stadium. I was a teenager. Um, so maybe... I maybe 16, 17. I don't think I was in college yet, so I was still in high school. And the Brewers drafted a kid by the name of, oh, man, you can look this up here while I tell the story. Either Dave Krenzel or Craig Krenzel. Is it Dave Krenzel? He was their first-round pick. And as they often do, you know, they'll bring the kid to the Major League ballpark and have him throw out the first pitch, you know, shortly after he's drafted. And this was the game where that happened. Well, at County Stadium, there weren't many people there back then. And I'll never forget, I was standing at the top of the lower grandstand, kind of like on the concourse level, but you could stand up there behind all the seats and look down and watch the game instead of sit. So I was just standing up there, but I had a Brewer's jacket on. I was, Matt, this is what, I still have it. You know what? I'm going to walk to the closet right now. I'm sitting at home right here. I'm walking to the closet. I am looking at it right now, Matt Pauly. Okay. I am looking at my shiny diamond collection starter jacket, old school brewer. You know what? I'm talking about like that shiny, you know, uh, sheen blue brewer's jacket. That was just like the one that Phil Garner wore. It was just like the one that the team wore. And I bought it. It was like $100, $150 at the team store. It's one of my – it was one of my – I don't know, I just, I, I loved it. Like I said, I still have it right here. And I'm, I'm wearing it to the game, and I'm standing at the top there watching the game and just whatever, I don't know, I was getting something to eat. And a kid runs up to me, <laughs> this little kid. He just comes running up to me. Hey, are you, is it Dave Krinzel? Yeah, hey, it is hey. Dave. I'll, I'll, I'll give it, you his okay. bio from it, but it is Dave Krinzel, yes. What year? What year? Uh, he was uh, he made his major league debut in two thousand four. He was the first round uh, pick in two thousand. Two thousand. Yes. I was nineteen. I was nineteen. Oh shoot! I thought I was younger. And a kid runs up to me, Mister Mister. Are you Are you Dave Crinzel? Would you sign this? And unlike Matt Pauley, who gave in eventually and signed it in a showing of falsity, I said, No, I'm not Dave Crinzel. No. And the kid kind of sadly sulked away. Like, what would Dave Krinzel have been doing standing by himself in the concourse watching the game? And I'm telling you, it's all because I had my Diamond Collection starter Brewers jacket. He thought I was Dave Krinzel, first-round Brewers draft pick. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) Krinzel got into 21 Major League games with the Brewers. (laughs) Yes, I did, Matt. Yes, I did. (laughs) <laughs> played 16 games in 04, played uh, five games in 05. He was part of a trade. He was eventually traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2006. He, along with Doug Davis and Dana Evelyn, went to the Diamondbacks in exchange oh. for Johnny Estrada. 
Greg oh. Aquino and Claudio Vargas. Oh, that was a good trade for them. All right. Wow. Yeah. See, I wonder how many people are... that that's a fun topic, baseball and otherwise. When's the last time you were mistaken for somebody? Give us the best time you were mistaken, the best story about you being mistaken for somebody else. And for you, it might be the Danny Duffy story. For me, the first one, and probably the only one that ever comes to mind, is when I was confused for Dave Krenzel. And nobody knows Dave Krenzel other than you and all the diehards that listen to this podcast. But they remember, they remember. Yeah, I I don't know if I've ever been mistaken for anybody else. That's the only one that I can really think of. (laughs) There could be worse things. I mean, being confused for a major league baseball player or a professional baseball player, they're not bad. Yeah. There are worse things to be confused by or to be mistaken as, I suppose. That could society. be a call-in thing on your show. Who? What's the best story I, of you being um, uh, confused with somebody? That's you right know, up not, your alley. That, that really is. And you may be saying that tongue-in-cheek, but I'm telling you, Folks, that may be a topic on an upcoming edition of WTMJ Nights. I'm not saying it tongue-in-cheek. You're the guy who, when the (laughs) state fair is going on, you ask people to call in and give their best tale of something crazy that happened at the state fair. Uh, Matt, for the record, it was called Fair Tales. (laughs) Woo! Thank you very much. (laughs) And that was one hell of a promotion. We had tickets to give away. I had to have people earn it. I, I, I... I love to have people earn giveaways on, on radio shows. Don't just be the random 12th caller or 25th caller. Earn it. Earn it. I no, I'm serious. I think I appreciate you helping me with some prep. This may happen on a show in the not-too-distant future. I remember working as a producer of a show in Kansas back in the day, and I had a host who, you know, generally, like, it was a trivia question to answer, but instead of, um, instead of taking the fifth caller and asking mm-hmm. them the question, it was the producer picking up the phone, getting the answer from the person, and the fifth person who got the answer right was the winner. Oh. It was very oh. annoying as a producer because you had to go through the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, hey, congratulations, you got the answer right. Unfortunately, you're caller number three. <laughs> Try again. That's, that's horrible. So, so when you say... Be the fifth caller to get the question right. We don't mean be the fifth caller and get it right. right. We mean be the fifth caller with the prior four also getting it right. Boy, that's tough. You got to jump through two hoops. Yeah. Man alive. I will never do that. I will never do that, I promise. You should. You Just just because we brought that up right now. Just If Greg Hill bothers you at some point one day, <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's what he's got to do. Uh, all right. Well. Maybe I will. Maybe I will, Matt. All right. Maybe I will. Um, we didn't talk a lot about the Brewers, but that's okay because we talked about the lockout and we talked about baseball and we talked about uh, Danny Duffy and we talked about what Greg uh, – Dil- Dave Krenzel. Excuse me. Dave Krenzel. Dave Krenzel. Yes. Yeah, Craig Krenzel. Craig Krenzel was a quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes, I think. I to get my Krenzels right. Dave Krenzel, right-hander, right fielder, and pinch hitter. It's never good when your baseball reference page lists you as a pinch hitter. <laughs> well, if you're known for that, that yeah, no, I, I, I just could never make it into the starting lineup. I couldn't. Sorry. <laughs> well, Scott, uh, encourage people to listen to WTMJ nights, six to nine mini nights on WTMJ. If there's a Bucks game, it's not on. If there's a Aaron Rodgers special, it's not on. If Brewers Weekly is there, it's only two hours long. But ver- and if or if there is a Milwaukee Panthers basketball game, well, let's give some love yeah. for that. The Panthers on a new home, one hundred one seven. The truth with the uh, the one and only Scott Wars providing all the play by play action. Yes, thank you for that. That's right, 101.7 FM, The Truth, uh, streaming at 101.7 FM.com and the app and all the various streaming devices that one can have. It's uh, it's fun. It's good. And uh, the uh, team uh, struggling right now, I'd be lying to say otherwise, but as we have seen, and you know well, covering the major basketball, it just comes down to that week in March. And um, this program and this team has... Uh, has a knack for doing some pretty crazy wild things for that week in March. So fingers crossed this is another one such season. And you got to spend a couple days in Youngstown, Ohio. 
That's true. That's true. And as I like to say every time I come back, I spent a month there one week. We were both in Ohio over the last few days. I did the uh, the Dayton, the Cincinnati, and you did uh, you did Youngstown. In addition to, uh, was that your first visit to Moon Township, Pennsylvania? It was. It, believe it or not, believe it or not, it was the first time I've ever been to Moon Township. Uh, it was the first time I've ever been to Robert Morris University. And I'll just say this. I am finding that my affinity for arenas uh, is biased towards the older ones. Like Robert Morris, I don't know what you thought. And it's nice. It's like four or five years old. It's too boxy. It was too, there wasn't character to it. Hmm. It, 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 it. It didn't really appeal to me. Never mind the fact that uh, the Panthers got clobbered, which probably doesn't help in my overall viewpoint of the arena. I just I wasn't that impressed. I didn't care for it that much, to be honest. I I liked it. Uh, I guess like I, we were the I, and I broadcast women's basketball. You broadcast men's basketball. There's so many fewer fans for women's basketball. So they played at Northern Kentucky this weekend, which is a really nice arena, BB and T Arena. It's a relatively new arena as well. Mm-hmm. It's just when when there's 500 people there to watch a game in that arena, it feels like you're playing you know intramurals. Yeah, I think we had like 850. At Robert Morris on uh, Thursday, so huh. I kind of know the I kind of know what you're talking about, and yeah. I did do the women's games for ten years, so I know exactly what you're talking about in a general sense. And uh, ah, March Madness awaits us. It does. That's when the excitement starts. All right, Scott. Thank you so much for and time. We will do too. this again. And I hope. Yes. I say, real quick, man. And baseball too. Yes. Again. So for the record, Scott Morris gets concerned the moment a exhibition be it Cactus or Grapefruit League, the moment an exhibition game gets canceled, Scott Warris goes, all right, guys, time to get our act together. Matt Pauley, you say not until the season opener is threatened. That's when you get nervous. Yeah, th- threatens the right. Like when it becomes pretty clear that, you know what, they're probably not going to start the season on time. If they if they have a deal done, um, but – it's just a little late, so maybe they're going to have to start the season a week late, and maybe they play a 150 game season or something. I'm not worried about that. Uh, but if it's if if it gets to a point where clearly opening day is not going to happen, and there is no real reason to believe that a deal is imminent, that is when I get worried. Uh, I just want you, I just want to have us both on the record then. There it is. Forward. All right. Thank you, Scott. That was fun. Thanks for having me, Matt. Always. You bet. That is Scott Wars joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to do it for uh, this week's program. A reminder for you, we do continue to bring you uh, Brewers Weekly Thursday nights on WTMJ from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, as long as there's not a Bucks game or something else. I am there as often as I can be. Uh, sometimes my basketball play-by-play responsibilities keep me away from it, so when I am able to be there, I am I am there. I don't think I'm there this week. I believe there's a show this week. I could look at the Bucks schedule. I will do that very quickly and uh, tell you whether or not there is indeed a show coming up uh, this week. I believe uh, there is. The Bucks do they play on Thursday night? They do not. So, yeah, there will be a show on Thursday night. I believe Greg Matzik is going to be serving as the host once again. My thanks to uh, Scott Wars for joining me here on the podcast. Thanks for to you for being tuned in, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.